Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. Reflections from the Heart with your host, David Abel, is an outreach of Gospel Reflection, a ministry of Stewardship, a mission of faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join David as he breaks open the bread of life in the Gospel reading for Sunday's Mass. And as the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers, inspires us today with the truths he reveals to our hearts through his word. Now, here's David with Reflections from the Heart. Welcome, everyone, to another session of Reflections from the Heart. My name is David Abel. Today, I'm joined by Tom Terrace and Tom DeAngelis. Welcome, one and all. Hey, Awesome, awesome. Everybody would take a moment and get their Bibles. We're going to turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7, verses 11 and through 17. But before we break open the bread of life, Tom, do you mind inviting the Holy Spirit into our hearts so that we may be guided with what the Lord wants to show us today, so that we can be those instruments of change, those vessels of love to this world that is absolutely starving for the truth of Jesus Christ. Sure. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Spirit. amen. Heavenly Father, we ask you as we gather here that you send your Spirit upon us and help us to know the things that that you want us to share and help us to touch people uh, who are in the listening audience and send your Spirit upon them as as they hear and maybe discuss and participate with each other at home. But we ask you to send your spirit on us and help us to understand your word, break it open and share it with others, not only today and not only during this program, but also throughout the following week. We ask all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. 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 The the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. And Tom, do you mind giving us a little gospel love today? Absolutely. Um, This is um, uh, from Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 17. Jesus journeyed to a city called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd accompanied him. As he drew near to the gate of the city, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. A large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he was moved with pity for her and said to her, Do not weep. He stepped forward and touched the coffin. At this the bearers halted. And he said, Young man, I tell you, arise. The dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, crying out, A great prophet has arisen in our midst, and God has visited his people. This report about him spread through the whole of Judea and in all the surrounding region. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, you, Lord Lord Jesus Jesus Christ. Christ. As you were reading this, um, it really just pierced my heart in he was moved with pity for her. And for me, there's no such thing as accidents and coincidences. It's just a failure to see God at work in our lives. So every day of our life, I think there are divine appointments out there for each of us to be vessels of God's mercy, his compassion, and his love. And every day I ask the Lord to grant me the eyes to see those opportunities and a heart to respond with love. I ask him for the ears of the heart to hear his voice and the grace to be obedient to his every utterance. And what I want, I want his heart. I want to be moved with pity when I see someone who is spiritually dead, that they need risen from the dead by Jesus Christ. And I want to have pity in my heart for them. I don't want to have condemnation. I don't want to look at someone who's battling from an addiction, you know, who's not healthy 
healthy. I don't want to complain about them. I don't want to talk about them. I want to pray for them. I want to bring Christ to them. I want to be able to touch the coffin of their heart and breathe life into it through the Word of God, which the Holy Spirit will give us if we ask Him. So for me, this whole piece of, you know, He was moved with pity. That's what I want to be. I want to be moved in my heart with compassion, with mercy for those who are spiritually dead, that have gone away from God, that don't know God. And I want to bring Jesus to them. We're the vessels God wants to use. So for me, that just really hit me today to, Lord, help me. Help me to see spiritually. Help me to hear spiritually. And help me to respond with your heart. You gave your life for every human being that ever was or will be. You came for all. And you know what? Use me, Lord, to help in the salvation of those souls because you paid the ultimate price for everyone. You know, David, when you were um, you were sharing that, it occurred to me that one of the reasons why I don't um, I don't kind of go around and um, with an open heart for um, for people and for their needs is because I sometimes will look at other people um, and if they're struggling or if they're uh, even if they're just you know going through the normal uh, activities of the, of the day, um, I'll, I'll look at them and and think, well, I don't want to. I don't want to interrupt them or I don't want to impose on them. If somebody's struggling with something, um, I have this sense of self-sufficiency about myself and, and my, my thought is, and it's an excuse. I know it is in my heart, but say, well, I, I'll, you know, I would feel uncomfortable if somebody came up and wanted to help me or wanted to assist me, so I won't interfere with them. And it really is just, a, you know, kind of a, one of those little, those little um, mental things uh, things that that uh, you know that, that kind of runs in your head and keeps you from being Christ to other people there really is a peace and a joy in that openness and that awareness and that compassion for other people uh, contrary to what it might seem where you kind of go around and feel sorry for everybody it's not that at all it's just an openness to you know to the spirit in other people and when that spirit is 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 dead or is struggling um, to be there for people to be there at their elbow to be there to help them to be there to encourage them and uh and there and there is a certain peace to that and a lot of times when that isn't in my heart when I'm going around is because I'm busy I'm caught up with my own agenda you know i'm you know i've got things on my mind and and that really separates me from the people from the people around me so that prayer that you that you say in the morning um is a good is a good discipline for all of us to remember and i I certainly want to try to remember that myself because i get up and immediately go through the things i have to get done and then i'm off on my agenda and I need to, you know, be aware and be open to those people around me that the Lord has put in my life. They're really my primary agenda, not, you know, the things I have to do are important, but the people that God brings into my life are his gifts. You know, those are the, those are the things in my life that are most important. And that's beautiful, Tom. And you just helped me open something else up. Look at the progression here. I think Jesus is giving us a template of what to do. Okay, so Jesus, the divine appointment was occurring. He saw that a man who had died was being carried out. Then he learned the story of the mother, who was her only son. She was a widow. Too many times we don't care to know the person's story. We just look at the outside of that person's life 
and judge them by that. But Jesus got intimate with her, knew that it was her only son. He learned then that she was a widow. And look at this. A large crowd from around the city was with her. But Jesus went to her. He saw her. That phrase, he saw her, is a level of intimacy. He saw her as God the Father sees every human being in this world as his precious son or his precious daughter before the world crippled, contorted, and killed and destroyed them. That's the way we need to see them. We need to see the way God sees and recognize the little girl or the little boy that's eight years old in each of the people we meet. And then, and then be moved with the pity. And then what did he do? He pierced her heart. He touched her heart. And so for me, man, I want to be used every day. I want to be used to help set the captives free. I want to be used to, to raise the dead of the spiritually dead through Jesus Christ living in me, with me, and through me. And, and then what happens after that? The young man, when he rose, he began to tell his story. He began to speak. He then had a testimony of what Jesus Christ did in his life. I speak from experience. I was the dead man for 33 years. Many people prayed for me. Many people tried to help me. The good news is there were some that didn't give up. And almost 12 years ago, when I had my conversion event happen in my life, God touched my heart, my coffin, and raised me from the spiritual dead to become a new creation in Christ. And my life for the last almost 12 years now has been impossible to write the script of. And it has impacted through my yes, through the grace of God, him working in me, with me, and through me, potentially millions of people worldwide. How does it happen? It happens through humility, recognizing it's not me that's doing anything. All God asks for is, his, is my yes, and then openness to daily allow him to do his work through me. And then to continue to share the story of how he raised me from the dead and the addictions of pornography and the addictions of sexual addictions and the addictions of alcohol and the things that, that plagued my life. And then hopefully in the sharing of the story, other people will come to believe. Other people will then experience Christ the way I did. There's two things that jumped out at me that kind of tie into what you guys are, are talking about. And it starts right at the beginning. Jesus journeyed and so I think uh, when we talk about, you know, impacting other people's lives, helping them, you know, raise, to help them to be, uh, come alive again in the spirit that to remember, just as this is in the beginning, the beginning of each day that Jesus is journeying with me, he's, he's there with me. So if I wake up in the morning and I'm, and every day is a, a, a you know, is a, in essence, a new journey. I don't know what's going to happen that day, just like they're going into this city and they don't really know what they're going to encounter. So if I wake up in the morning and think that Jesus is journeying me with me during this day and I put him first, then I'm able to perhaps recognize those moments when I can you know, help someone or, or say a kind word, something that will lift them out of their spiritual darkness. And then the, and the second part that touched me was when Jesus came over and, and touched the coffin, the bears halted. And that just touched my heart, meaning that Jesus' death has no say when he's involved, you know, like, you know, the, the bears halted. In other words, like death doesn't have the final answer. Jesus is here and he gives life. And I just, I think there's some kind of meaning there when the bears halted, you know, it just, you know, it, it, Jesus conquered death, you know, and we yes. can, and we can go to him. Um, 
and, you know, arise from our sins. Yeah, absolutely. That was beautiful. And, you know, it just recounted to me a story that just happened. We have a gospel reflection group that meets at the barn. It's an 1860s barn every Wednesday from 7.30 to 8.30 at 1 Hollinger Lane in Elizabethtown. And a man's been coming for the last six months, and he keeps, like, just coming more and more alive in the Lord. And he said, you know, he said, this is my family here. He loves it. He's in his 60s, loves it. Last week, he just had an epiphany about the Eucharist. He wasn't, from what we could gather, a Catholic, but had an epiphany about the Eucharist. He said, I thirst for the body and blood and soul and divinity of Jesus Christ. So thank you, Lord. Rob had an opportunity, our fellow teammate who's not with us today, he's with his daughter, had an opportunity to minister to him and speak truth to him. And the man stopped. He said, wait a minute. He said, I was baptized Catholic and I was confirmed Catholic, but I haven't been back to the Catholic Church in over 52 years. Rob said, well, my brother, you're baptized, you're confirmed, you're one confession away from receiving the Eucharist. Those Uh words pierced this dead, spiritually man, dead's heart. The next day, God had him drive 300 miles to the church where he was baptized and confirmed to get his documents. And imagine this, the church had him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, he, and imagine this, the priest was in, and imagine this, the, the priest said, hey, I got an opening right now. Would you like to be set free? The man went to confession. The interesting part is his confirmation name was Augustine. He went to his first confession in over 50 years on Friday, which was the feast day for who? St. Augustine probably pretty impossible. And so the Lord set him free on his confirmation feast day of St. Augustine, who also had a little bit of trouble for a few years, and he received his first Holy Communion that Saturday. And he said he could have floated the whole way home from Connecticut. It changed his life. And this morning he shared that at Gospel Reflections. Those profound stories, those testimonies, his life has changed forever. And it all was a set of situations and, and that he came to God's reflection. Those things, just what Jesus did here, he, vid, he journeyed to a city, but he kept his eyes open for the divine appointment. And he called on the Holy Spirit to give him the words to speak. Beautiful. That's what we're called to do. So we got to experience that firsthand this past week with one man who came back to Holy Mother Church, who then shared that with all the other men and women present at our gospel reflection every Wednesday. Yeah, I'm, I'm reminded of uh, an experience that that I shared uh, at the men's conference uh, this past year. Um, I was helping out as part of the team, and uh, we had the session. Uh, we, there were three sessions during that, and I had the middle session for directing people to confession. And we had, I think there were 17 or 18 priests there, and... and uh, so we're, you know, we're directing people there, you know, there's lines and, oh, there's no line down here. Why don't you, you know, try this way? And so, and, and it was kind of working out and uh, an older man came up and was kind of sheepishly looking around, you know, and so he, I said, can I help you? And he said, uh, he said, yeah, I haven't been to confession for 42 years and I'm a little nervous. He said, can you, can you send me to a young priest? <laughs> 
I don't know why he wanted a young. I guess he figured if he was less experienced or something. So, so I I won't I won't divulge the name of the person that the, the priest that I sent him to. But he was in there for probably fifteen or twenty minutes. I even forgot that he was in there, and then he came out. But did he have a spring in his step? And was he his whole demeanor was different when he came out? I mean, you talk about touching the coffin and raising somebody from the dead. There's a man that went in yes. to a priest who is still young and still on fire with the Lord, not that our other older priests aren't, but who still was probably touched by this man who came in and, and you know, got himself back in touch with the Lord at such a deep spiritual level. And then, uh, and I didn't get a chance to see, but I would bet that I knew, I know he stayed around for mass. I didn't see him go to communion, but I'm sure he went. I'm sure he, he was just so alive when he came out. It was just like, it was like a transformation, you know? He was so scared and so worried when he was, you know, like a little kid. Yes, and he, yes. he must have been 60, 65, something like that. And he come out and he just had a spring in his step and he was like, he was set free. You know, you could just tell from his body language he was, wow. he was alive. You know, it's interesting. You just shared that, Tom. I just remember that uh, my wife and I put to pen a book. It took us two years to put it to pen. It's called Love at First Flight, A Plain Fairy Tale. And this book that came out is just profound in how it pierces the heart. I gave it my first copy out last week to a friend of mine, and this week he shared a gospel reflection how that book just pierced his heart as a man, as a father, as a husband. It pierced his wife's heart. And so it will be available on our website at Stewardship and Mission of Faith. Uh, you'll see Love at First Flight, A Plain Fairy Tale. But it's our story of God's redemption, resurrection, rebirth of a man and a woman in the beauty of a sacramental marriage that came from the ashes. So again, I encourage my readers, if you want to go and get the book, read it. It is piercing. It has a section called Lessons Learned. It has a section called Parenting and Blended Family. It has a section called the Textbook, which has these beautiful texts that seem like they came from the Psalm of Psalms. They came from the purity of my heart as God rebuilt me, resurrected me, renewed me. So again, it's available out there if you want a, a good read. It's a short read. It's about a five, six-hour read, but it's just piercing. And you know, it comes to the last sentence. This report about him spread throughout the whole of Judea, and in the whole surrounding reason, region. This book that we put to pen is our story, our testimony of both my wife and I's encounter with Christ, the healing of God the Father in both of our hearts, and then the joining of two in the sacramental marriage that is beyond my understanding. So again, another story that we put to pen, and I would encourage everybody, we all, it says right above that, the next line, God has visited his people. God is alive. And I'm promising you, puts divine appointments, God moments, heavenly kisses in our lives every day. But how do we see them? How do we hear them? Reality, as Catholics, we know this. Go to the sacrament of reconciliation, confess our sins, be set free. It clears up the, the ear canals of our spiritual ears to hear. It clears up our eyes, the, the scales of our eyes, which have been blinded by sin, so that we can see and then it gives us this new heart, fresh as a baby's new heart in Christ that we can then respond with love. So, ladies and gentlemen, if it's been a long time, be not afraid. Be not afraid. Jesus Christ paid the price. He wants to set you free. He wants to use you as a world changer. Go to the sacrament of reconciliation. My goodness gracious, and thank the priest for the gift of their yes and their life that God chooses to use them 
broken human beings to be channels of his love and his grace in persona Christe. It is God the Father who forgives you through the Christ that's working with through Christ that's working within that priest. It's beautiful and it's freeing. And you know what? For me, in fact, I'm going this evening over to St. Joan of Arc. But uh, for me, it's 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 like the total weight of all the sin, all the stuff gets lifted and you could virtually float. It feels that good. And then God can fully use you to change the world the way he wants to change it through you and your uniqueness and Christ working in you, with you, and through you. And how Jesus can change our lives, just like he changed the lives in this story. You know, like the, the widow's life was changed instantly. She had her son back, and the son had his life back. And your story of conversion tells of your change mm-hmm. to a new life. So, And the last line says, and, and the whole of Judea changed, and all the surrounding regions changed. Yeah. We need to share our stories, but we need to be set free. So we have the eyes to see, the ears to hear, the heart to respond. And then as we get these God moments, journal them, write them down. Pass them on to our children. I'm telling you, we have 17 children, 12 adopted from around the world. And and my children love to gather at the table and hear dad's God stories. They love it. They love it. It's profound. And guess what? They come to believe based on the stories. And that's what Jesus did. He taught in stories. He taught in parables. And I think even Saint August, or no, Saint Ignatius, with the um, spiritual exercises, says to journal these things down because when you get into that moment of desolation, you can refer yes. back to those moments when God, when you saw God's finger in your life, yes. and it gives you encouragement. You know. Yeah, I'm telling you, when you start to see all the little thing God does for you every day, what does God want in return? Just a heart of gratitude. Just say, thank you, Father. Why? Because he wants to grow ever deeper in his intimacy with us, that we invite him on everything from the bedroom to the boardroom, from the school to the, to the, to the workplace, everywhere. God wants to be with us as our father, as our brother, as our guide in the Holy Spirit. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. You're you're talking about journaling, Tom, and um, that's something that I've done um, for many years. And one of the things that I've noticed over the last several years has been um, a shift from um, writing about my experiences and my faith to actually having that experience while I'm writing. So what I've found a lot, uh, and this may be the influence of reading some of the saints and, and you know, St. Ignatius and, and the, you know, the, the, the retreats and things, is that I find my, my appreciation for the insight that God's giving me to find expression in the form of a thank you and a prayer of gratitude. And it's really been helpful for me to help to try to be open to that that Holy Spirit, not just, oh, I'm great, I figured something out, or I'm great, God gave me this gift of understanding faith more deeply, but actually in the process of, you know, discovering that or writing about that or sharing that experience and writing it down and having it to go back to later is also that appreciation and that expression of gratitude and joy to the Lord for for that gift. So it's not just the insight itself, but, you know, that because, you know, we have a tendency and I can go back and look at my journaling and see where it was kind of like my thoughts, you know, but they weren't they aren't really when we have insights about how to live our life or how to touch somebody 
that's really a gift from God, and we need to be open to that. So it finds its expression in something like a prayer or in a talking to the Father as opposed to just writing down abstractly. Uh, so that's been very helpful for me. I would encourage people to think along those lines, you know. And think if the writers of the Bible had not written these stories down. We wouldn't have them to share today. But you see, that's a lesson for us. We need to write them down so that our children and grandchildren, great-grandchildren can share the stories. Like the book that, that my wife and I just wrote, that'll last long after we're gone. That book God will use to touch hearts. It's recorded. It's memorialized. And too many times you go to a funeral, the person's died. Their stories die with them. Their God moments die with them. And it's so sad. So for me, Tom, thank you for, again, the challenge. You know, and the second piece I saw as I read this again as you were sharing is Jesus had his disciples and a large crowd accompanied him. And then he goes in the city and there's another large crowd around the mother who was the widow. But Jesus saw the individual. Jesus saw the widow. Jesus saw the woman at the well. Jesus saw Zacchaeus in the tree. It's always about not just a personal, but an intimate encounter with Christ. So for us, let's not look for the masses. Let's let God take us to that individual person and then get to know their story. Get to know their story. And how did Jesus teach? He asked questions. How are you doing today? Not too good was the answer of a man going into a Turkey Hill. He was coming out. I was going in. And I got the prompting, stop, go back and see the man. So I'm back and saw the man, started to talk to the man, ask him his story. What's bothering you? And he shared how he just came from a funeral of his brother. And his, it, the tears started rolling down his eyes. And I got time to comfort a stranger who I didn't know. I didn't know. And then I got to give him a book that I thought would help him on a journey of healing. But in our busy, fast-paced world, most people, they say, oh, how you doing? Oh, I'm not too good. Oh, sorry to hear that. Boom. And off they go. Stop. The ma- that person that said not too good just gave you a little crack opening to the door of their heart. But then it's your choice. Do you give them the greatest gift you can give them through your personal choice, the gift of your time? Or do you keep zooming? And too many times I zoom and I don't want to zoom anymore. So for me, slow me down, Lord, that I may see these divine appointments, that I may experience these God moments and write them down so that I may share them with others. And Father, whenever you send me the heavenly kisses that say thank you for your yes, let me have that heart of gratitude and return that thanks to you because it's in you, with you, and through you that all things are accomplished. It is such an honor to be your son. I'm so grateful for this opportunity. May God bless each and every one of you and be those instruments to change. Be the world changers God created you to be. God bless. Bye-bye. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, you might consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org and click on Gospel Reflection Groups, or call us at 717 
367-0100. Stewardship A Mission of Faith is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make Reflections from the Heart possible. If you enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting our website or calling us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of David and the staff here at Stewardship, a Mission of Faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him.